my dear friend, uh, Bishop Mott, uh, Pastor Sherry uh, Mott, uh, we are dear friends. He's my other brother from another mother, so to speak, a sister from another mother, but he's also officially an uncle of this ministry. You know that, right? He's an uncle. So when he comes and speaks, he can speak and give papao and anything he needs to do, and we receive it. Yeah, papao, that's the Spanish version of, you're going to get it, boy. You know, that, that type of thing. But um, we, we love him here very much and appreciate and respect him. I am thrilled to see what God is doing in his ministry. We've often s sat down and chatted about what God was going to do in our ministries, and I keep on telling him we're w walking parallel paths. Um, you over here, me over here, uh, you over there, me over here, but we're pretty much experiencing the grace of God, the love of God, the expanding of, of what God can do in our lives if we're just faithful to Him. And I remember you prophesying everything, both of you just prophesying in your own way of what you were going to see, and pretty much even in your ministry, that's just the beginning, because some of the things that you wanted uh, to see, you haven't seen it yet. So even there, we're still in process. Amen? So without much further ado, let's all stand. Let's welcome the man of God. He will introduce his, his missus. Praise God. Right. Bishop Reefer Mark. Praise God, everybody. Give it up for Pastor Victor, my friend. That's right. And uh, he really is my brother from another mother. He is white, I'm brown. He's in the Bronx, I'm uptown. But we are still family. Amen? Awesome, guys. Great to be with you. You can sit. I'm so honored to be here. Uh, Ephraim, you, I think you, you may have made me lose my preaching anointing. You made me laugh so much. Oh, man. Now I'm so self-conscious, I got to keep my jacket closed because of you. I was going to take it off and stuff, but now I'm, I got to keep it closed. See, I'm working on my one-pack right now. So we met in the middle. I was over here and you were over there. and We just sort of met in the middle, right? All right. Listen, don't get to 180. You'll scare me at 180. Don't do that. 200 will be, will be fine for you. God bless you. Good to see all of you. And congratulations, Calvary, uh, you know, for what you've done. The only reason why my jaw didn't drop when I walked in here was because I'd already sneaked in here two weeks ago. After church, you were gone, and I saw uh, Tony let me in, and I looked, and I was my jaw dropped then. Really awesome what you guys have done with this place. Awesome. Give yourselves a hand. I'm going to say this quickly, man. I walked in here and just walked right into the presence of God. Uh, worship was just off the chain. I call it a little slice of heaven. That's when heaven kind of touches earth a little bit. And if you missed it, you missed it. You may have to come back tomorrow morning. You guys do that every Sunday morning? Man, you guys were really rocking. I'm telling you, I really enjoyed the worship. If you had done one more stanza of that song, I would have, I would have broke down and started crying. Y'all would have had to pick me up off the floor. It was just, I was entering in. It was just so powerful. It's very difficult to walk into a place and just enter into worship. Most times you're distracted and you're looking around, you're evaluating and analyzing things. Man, I just walked in and just God just grabbed a hold of me. So whatever it is that you guys are doing, don't stop doing that. Do it more intensely. Amen? Do it more intensely. You're creating a habitation here for God. Hallelujah. Where can I begin? Man, first of all, I want to acknowledge that my beautiful wife, Sherry's here. And amen. Come on, baby, stand up. Let them see that I'm taking care of you. Let them see that. Yeah, I don't want them to think I'm not taking care of you because I think I am. Did you all see her? Yeah, you know, so uh, I wouldn't bring her up here to say anything because she's a preacher. And if I give her the mic, she's going to make me look bad. So I'm not bringing her up here. I cannot believe, Pastor Victor, that 20 years ago in two months, I was in your church in 116th Street in Harlem with this beautiful woman sitting at my side. And I was in a bad way. I was, I was angry. I was hurt. I hated church. Didn't like Christians. 
And thank God for you and for Calvary. I found a place that for a few Sundays I could actually afford to go and sit and worship and not be turned off by the cliches and the stupidity and the foolishness that I'd seen in church. And we sort of made Calvary our home for a few months. And it was one July Sunday I was in your church. I don't remember which Sunday it was, but it was in the month of July that as they were worshiping, God gave you a word. And I'm sitting in the back of the church about, four, about the middle ways down. And this man got up. I didn't know him then. He got up and he said, excuse me, excuse me, please stop the, the worship. Stop the music. I have a word here for somebody and it's burning on my heart. And I can't wait for the worship to finish because God wants me to give this word now. And now I'm not a prophet or anything. This is how he would be, right? I'm not a prophet or anything. So I wrote this down. So I want to just read it. And, and if you're here and if this word of God is for you, then please come down here. I'm supposed to pray for you today. And he got up and he read my whole life. And a few people went down to the altar and I stood there in my seat. I mean, I was literally pinned to my seat. I was scared. I've encountered the prophetic before. And to be frank, I'd even grown to dislike the prophetic. Because of so many people had used the prophetic to manipulate my life. And I'm a person that don't take well to manipulation. But when this man in his genuine sincerity and the beauty of his simplicity spoke those words... I could not escape them. I felt them like just punching me, like someone hitting me in my gut every word he spoke. But I sat there and I didn't move. And so they went on ahead. They took the offering. They did the announcements. You know what we do in church. And then he gets up and he starts to preach his message. And I'll never forget. He was preaching a message, message about getting things done. And you got to get started in step two. And he's preaching in point number two. And I don't think he ever got off of point number one. About 15 minutes into the message, he said, wait a minute. I can't preach this message. I'm really troubled now in my spirit. He says, listen, I'm going to read this again. And I'm saying, if you're here and you are a Jonah, I don't want a Jonah on this ship. God is saying for you to come down here today. And I'm telling you, I started to tremble and fall apart in my seat. And before he was finished, I just got up and walked down and I stood there and says, I said, that's me. And this guy jumped down, Ephraim. At that time, he was elder Ephraim. Jumped down. Brother, I got a word for you. And when he jumped, it made a louder noise than that. It, it was, the place shook. We were looking at 400 pounds. I mean, and we were on the second floor. I think the floor kind of went like this a little bit. Man, he jumped. He said, brother, I have a word for you. And he pulled me and he said, brother, I see you. I see you, I see you in, in, in a place and you're, you're teaching the word. It looks like you're in a house or something. And there are people sitting all around you. And they look very happy. And the Lord would say to you that your days of sitting in the pews are over. And he begins to prophesy to me so eloquently, so beautifully. Every word just washed over my spirit. And I just fell apart at that altar. My wife was there holding my hand. I was just done. And when service was over... Pastor Victor comes over to me and he says, listen, the Lord's calling you to the ministry and you need to stop running from God. I want to take you to a meeting, a pastor's meeting with me in Brooklyn. I said, well, when is that? He said, it's on Wednesday. I said, well, I, I have to work. I, I can't go. He said, no, no, no. You take the day off. You're coming. I mean, something came over him. It's as if God just, the lion of Judah got inside of him. He said, no, you're taking the day off. You come with me. And I said, okay. And I said, honey, I have to take Wednesday off and go with Pastor Victor to the meeting. A long story short, he became my friend over the years. And I, that story is so vivid in my mind. I will never forget it because it's one of the most defining moments in my life. Because were it not for him and his intervention and the timing of the Lord, I'm not sure I'd have, I would have said yes to God. Maybe God would have had to beat me up a whole lot. And sometimes... <laughs> You don't recover from some of those beatings. But it was in that day that I decided, whatever God wants, I'll do it. And I want to thank Pastor Victor for his friendship over the years. He never let go of me. He was always there. He befriended me. We would spend hours on the phone talking about the future of New York City and how we saw God 
using our respective ministries. And those were one of the most cementing things for me in the early days. I didn't know anything about ministry or pastoring. But because of this man's intervention and his mentorship over my life, I'm here today. I'm here today doing what God's called me to do. So, everybody's testifying. I had to testify. That was my testimony. Now, if you'll give me about 15 minutes, I'll preach just a little bit for you. A word from the Lord. Man, it's so good to see all of you. Pastor Hiram, you know what you started? A little bit of that DNA went down to Victor. A little bit of that came on me. So all of what you have done in having the boldness to obey God and starting Calvary, it's doing so much more than you know. Our church in New Rochelle is touching the nations now. We're touching our community and we're touching the nations. We're planting churches in the Middle East. You know, we're, you know, in Africa, you know, all because of this. So everything that is happening, when you get to heaven, God's going to tell you, well done. And you're going to say, I know I did good, but what did I really do, God? He's going to say, you see that guy up there, Mott in New Rochelle? You don't know that, but he's a generation or two down from you. But it's all because you obeyed God that made it possible for Victor to be where he was and for me to walk right into my destiny on that day that he appointed. Be encouraged, man of God. Be encouraged. Hallelujah. Well, uh, 30 years is a, is a lot of years. It's 20 for us. Uh, Sunday went by and made officially 20. We're going to celebrate on October 31st uh, a gala banquet. We don't do a lot of anniversaries. Normally I would just say, hey guys, it's our anniversary. And then we just keep on having church. But this year, it's 20. We feel like it's a significant milestone, so we're going to do it up big. All of you are invited, okay? Up in New Rochelle at the Surf Club. You're going to love it. It's a very classy place, and you're going, you're going to be glad you came. You're going to be glad I invited you, all right? So if you need information, we're going to make the information available to Pastor Victor, how you all can come and celebrate 20 with us. We're going to, we're going to do some big things. Amen. I see my friend Pastor Pura back there. She's hiding, but I see her. That's my friend. We're partners. We're taking the city for God. Amen. God bless you, all of you who came down from New Rochelle. Pastor David. These guys are on my team. Pastor David Olatona, the Lion of Africa. He's on my team. This man is a church planter. And a missionary par excellence. Elder Mike Cotto right there, my Puerto Rican son in the Lord. And his Jamaican wife sitting next to him. That's perfect. I heard some Jamaican reggae just now. That was perfect. You guys were right at home, right? Mike was doing to the congas and she was going to the base. <laughs> Little Jamaican, Puerto Rican reggae, right? I love it. Beautiful. All right, listen, we'll talk afterwards. I, I know there's so many friends that are in this place. I just want to say thank you for coming back. Thank you for coming here. It affords me also an opportunity to reconnect with many of you. I want to just talk to you a little bit on the subject of faithfulness. I've been hearing the word uh, bandied about a little bit by many of you who came up here to speak. Seems to me that that is the theme that is in the air. And that is what I want to, to speak to today. Um, if I have any anointing left. Thank you, Ephraim. <laughs> And I want to just use two scriptures as my text, just for my talk. I'm not going to raise my voice too much. I have this little cough that's been trying to mess with me. And every time I get excited, the devil is a liar. But I want to make sure that I'm clear today in my communication. A favorite scripture of mine over the years is 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. And it says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, um, that is an admonition to be faithful. It is an admonition to be tenacious in our faithfulness. But I have one more scripture 
It's a simple one-liner. It's Luke 18, 8, and the last part. Jesus said this. When the Son of Man comes, and he is coming, Pastor Hiram. Yes, sir, he is, because he said it. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? When the Son of Man comes, is he going to find people being steadfast, immovable, unwavering, always abounding, being joyfully fruitful in the work of the Lord? Is that, is that it? It's a good question. Let me just take a few moments today and talk to you about being faithful. Being faithful requires the ability to outlast your enemies. How many of you know you have adversaries always trying to pull you down? It, it is the ability to outlast your seasons of testings and trials and the ability to stay in the game long enough to win. So faithfulness then is a time-tested virtue. In other words, you can't say, well, I was faithful there for a little while. <laughs> no. Faithfulness is a virtue that is proven over time. You, you can't say, well, I can be faithful so long as things go the way I expect them to. Well, you're not going to be very faithful because I am pretty sure I'll disappoint you at some point if you're walking with me. I'm pretty sure Pastor Victor may do something or say something that you don't like. It may not necessarily be sin, but what offends you tells a lot about who you are. So faithfulness is not any of those things. It's a time-tested virtue. True faithfulness is like bulldog tenacity that holds on to a promise. It holds on to a belief or a practice against opposition despite any conditions or vicissitudes. When we talk about the word faithfulness, some words come to mind. A faithful person is one that's full of faith. Isn't it interesting that we use the word faithful, but we often don't make the connection that if you're talking about being faithful, it, it, it stands to reason that if you're faithful, you must be full of faith. It's, it's a pretty simple thing. Some of you got that. Maybe if it's a revelation for some of you. But, but, but when, you, when I say full of faith, here's three things I want to say. One, if you're a person of faith, faith believes the promise. How many of you believe the things that God has spoken to you? It's important that you hear what I'm saying today because being faithful means that you are going to be tested once you start the journey. Some curbs and some hills and some valleys are going to occur that you didn't plan on. Are you listening? And the game might even change or the players may even change. But if God told you at the beginning that you were going to get to the other side, it doesn't matter about the storm. How many of you know you will get to the other side? So faith believes the promise. Another thing about faith is that faith trusts the promiser. Faith trusts the promiser. How many of you know that you can't have faith without trust? Oh, uh, we have churches that preach and teach on faith, but we don't talk about trust. I think we need to talk more about trust because you can't have faith without trusting. Trust is different than believe. Faith believes, but faith trusts. How many of you know it's easier to believe than to trust? Have you ever heard the story about, about the guy who tightrope walked across the Niagara Falls? His name was Blondell. He was a great tightrope walker. And he tightrope walked across one of the most treacherous parts of the Niagara Falls. In fact, if you fall into that side of it, you're not coming out. It's about a mile or, t mile or so up from the falls. They say that it's so deep there that if you fall in, they won't even bother trying to come and get you. No one knows how deep it is. It's so treacherous. The waves there are about 40 feet in height sometimes. This guy, Blondell, walks across it, and the people start cheering wildly. Wow, that's awesome. That's great. Man, you're great. We believe in you. And Blondell saw one guy in the audience and says, do you believe? He said, yes, that I can do this again. The guy said, of course I can. He says, okay. Do you believe I can do this with a wheelbarrow full of dirt? And Blond the guy says, yes, I believe, Mr. Blondell. You're great. So Blondell takes a wheelbarrow, fills it with dirt, and he walks across, and he makes it to the other side. And the crowd goes wild. And the guy's there looking at him. He says, do you believe 
that I can do this again? The guy said, well, you did it before. I'm sure you can do it again. Blondell says, do you believe I can do it with you in the wheelbarrow? And the guy says, no, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. It's easy to believe, but it's more challenging to trust. Can I say to you today, you've got to learn if you're going to be faithful to trust the promiser. Are you there with me? And the next thing about faith is this. Faith obeys. We also have to teach more about obedience because I believe the end of all faith is to get us to a place of obedience. When I look at the life of Abraham and I look at the example of Abraham and other great men of faith and women of faith in the Bible, what I notice about them is that they're people who believed, trusted, and obeyed. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And see, so, 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 so when you're full of faith, you believe, you trust, and you obey. Here's another characteristic of faithfulness, and that is uncompromising integrity. Uncompromising integrity. That means that when you have uncompromising, uncompromising integrity, you keep your promises. How many of you are promise keepers here today? How many of you fathers keep your promises to your children? Husbands, you keep your promises to your wife. You come home when you say you're coming home. Hello, husbands. You keep your promises. Listen to this. God spoke to me to my heart one time and showed me a couple of things about myself. And it was over the course of this summer, in the month of July, particularly, God was dealing with me in some things in my life. And one of the things the Lord showed me was that from his perspective, that unless I, as a man of God, learn to keep my promises, my words will have no authority. It is something about a man or a woman that keeps his or her word, that their word has power, and heaven honors their word, and hell obeys their word. I don't know about you, but I'd like to be that man that when I open my mouth, heaven honors my words and hell has to heed my words. Are you with me, somebody? And I think that comes from being a person that is radically committed to your word, to your promises. If you keep your word, you will be a man or a woman of greater authority. Another thing about an uncompromising integrity is that it honors covenants. It honors contracts. It even honors verbal agreements. Are you with me? The reason why I threw that in is because some of us, if you make an agreement with someone and it's not written on paper, you know, legally you might say, well, it's not written on paper. Come on. But how many of you know if you open your mouth, God heard you? And even if legally, somehow, they may allow you to get out of the, the agreement that you made when nobody else heard you. How many of you know heaven heard you you see the god that we serve is a god of covenant and so when god god hears words of promise he draws near amen you don't have to invoke him when you open your mouth and begin to make a promise there's something about the heart of god that is so connected to that that he draws near and so when you make a covenant or a promise or a verbal agreement god expects you to keep it Oh, God, teach me how to keep my promises. Teach me, God, how to keep my word. And so, so integrity also means that you honor time. You honor time. Integrity means that you're committed to truth, openness, and accountability. I can preach on that, but I've got to keep going. Another characteristic of faithfulness is persistence. You have only to look in Luke 18 and Jesus tells a story about the widow who was victimized and she kept going to the judge and saying, give me justice, give me justice. And finally the judge said, oh, this woman is going to drive me nuts. He says, you know what? I don't care about her. I don't even care about her cause. I care about me, but me can't get no sleep. I can't get no rest. So let me give her what she wants. And Jesus said, you know. You've got to be like that. That's how you've got to be. You've got to be persistent. Amen. That's the kind of faith Jesus was trying to tell us we need to have. The faith of bulldog tenacity. And the next thing that we learn about in, uh, 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 faithfulness is that there is a characteristic of dependability there as well. Please hear me well that there is no leader that can do anything successfully without dependable people around them you can't do it i know i tried it doesn't work you can't build without dependable people 
You can't build without dependable materials, dependable stuff. Dependability is a characteristic that is so, so vital to the success of any organization. Some of you may know that, uh, some of you may or may not know that uh, about two years ago, Samsung overtook Apple in global sales. Samsung. I know you Samsung people are happy, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm an Apple user, so, you know. But I'm not taking it personally because I don't own any stocks one way or the other, so it doesn't matter to me. I can jump back over to Samsung if I want to. But here's what happened. When, when they did an interview of the top uh, executives in Samsung, wanted to know what was the secret or the formula for Samsung's success, how many of you know, every one of them to a man answered and said this. They said, we understand that our role here is to faithfully execute the vision of our CEO. Sounds a little bit like church, doesn't it? I said, did they really say that? My wife says, here's the article, read it for yourself. And I read the article and sure enough, I saw it there. I had to underline it. They responded, the secret to our success is that we understand our role here is that we are to faithfully execute the vision of our CEO. Wow. Wow. Dependability. So how many of you know that you have to have your leader's DNA if you're going to be faithful? You've got to get a download of your leader's DNA into your own spirit. I know you got your own spirit, but your own spirit got to receive your leader's DNA. So that you understand what God has given him and what it is that you are to do with your gift to bring about the fulfillment of that particular thing. Somebody say, I need a download of my leader's DNA. Hallelujah. That's so important. Here's another characteristic of loyalty. It's tenacious. Tenacious loyalty. Another characteristic of faithfulness is tenacious loyalty. Loyalty does not come naturally to most people. I've learned this over the years. Trust me on this one. You can quote me. It's a fact. It's a fact. Here's what I tell you. Most people, if you ask them if they're loyal without thinking, they will say, of course I am. And the reason why people will do that is because they know that loyalty is a great virtue. And they can't imagine themselves not having it. But without checking their hearts or checking their track record, they will answer you and say, of course I'm loyal. And I believe that most people who say that really want to be. Whether they are or not, they really want to be. But they've never really examined their track record or their life to see, wait a minute. I have some disloyalty in me. Here's what the Bible says. Proverbs 20 and verse 8. You can write this down and check me out if you don't believe me. It says, many a man will proclaim his own steadfast love. That's loyalty. But a faithful man, who can find? So that means the majority of people believe they have this quality. But when you really stop and think about it, those who are truly loyal people, who are naturally loyal, are in the minority. But how many of you know that loyalty can be learned? Thank you. Loyalty can be learned. Now some people don't take well to it. Because there's another category that's in the minority. And there are people who are disloyal and they know it. And they're proud of it. And their song is, you got to look out for number one. I don't follow anybody. I follow the Lord. You know people like that? Oh, Pastor Victor, he, he's just a man. I know that, but what are you trying to do? Are you just trying to reduce him to the lowest common denominator so you can diss him? Not in front of me. I know he's just a man. You didn't have to tell me that. That's not a revelation. But when you start hearing people that just came into your church a few months ago and they kind of like to sit off to the side and cross their legs and look as if they're evaluating instead of receiving. And then when you get a chance to talk to them, you hear them say things like, well, you know. 
I have a different take on that text, on that. The way he broke it down was all right, but God has given me some particular insights into that text, and I can really show you that really what he should have said was, and I've had that happen to me, you know, folks trying to break down my preaching and try to say what I should have said. And you start listening to people like that, you'll soon come to find they have no loyalty to anybody, and they know that. In fact, they're proud. They'll tell you, I don't follow man. I follow God. So, loyalty then is a, is, a, is a virtue that is seldom found in the majority. It is one, thankfully, that can be learned. But I want to tell you that faithfulness means that you have a tenacious sense of loyalty to your leader, to your organization, to the vision, and whatever it else it is. That, how many of you know that there's such a thing, there's a tribal thing that we have. We are social creatures. We are social beings. Just last night, or just yesterday, there were people standing online waiting for hours, matter of fact, days, for Apple to come out with the six. Right? How many of you, you, you were, were you online? Were you online? Did you get yours? Did you get yours? Where'd you get yours? Help me out. Just kidding. Seriously, why do they do that? They no longer have to wait for days intense, camping out, trying to get a phone. Man, I went to my Verizon dealer yesterday. I said, you got any phones? He said, sure. What color do you want? My Egyptian friend. And there was no line. In fact, I was like the second guy in the store. No line. People know they can just go and buy the phone. Why do they get online and camp out and wait for a phone? It's a tribal thing. It's a culture. Do you understand? You meet people. You talk. These are all Apple people. That's, this is the Apple tribe right here. Oh, yeah. This, and that's all they do. They just wanna, it's just a little Apple social hangout. Are, are you seeing this? So people, people, people are, you know, are tribal. All of us are like that by nature. What I'm saying by that is we are built to belong somewhere or to believe in something. You can, if you go against that, you're, you're going against what it means to be human. We are built and wired to belong somewhere and to believe in something. This is why you need to understand if you belong to a church, come on, you need to believe in that church and the vision of that church, come on, and sell out and do what the guys at Samsung do. Understand that I'm here to help the leader to faithfully execute the vision. I'm not here to critique it. I'm here to help him execute it. And if you have that mindset, Calvary, God's going to blow this place wide open. Quickly, I'm going to wrap up. But let me, let me be practical for you. As if I wasn't being practical before. But let me give you some areas that I believe you should be faithful in, that I'm going to wrap up and I'm going to pray for you. Be faithful to God. Love Him, seek Him, honor Him, serve Him. Keep Him first. Keep Him first. Be faithful in giving and that's how you keep Him first. How many of you know that when we talk about tithing, one of the things I tell people, tithing, I don't have time to argue about it. It's not even about finances. This is about honoring your source. It's not about waiting till I've paid the bills and made sure everything is, every I is, is dotted, every T is crossed, and I say, oh, look, I just have enough to pay my tithe. God isn't honored when you do that. Can I, can I blow you up a little bit and say that? God isn't honored when you just decide to do everything else and then decide, I'm going to pay my tithe now. Put God's aside first. It doesn't matter if any, your pastor sees it or the church sees it. He sees it. Tithing is about getting a God first mentality. It begins there because nothing has the ability to separate you from God faster than money. And so the way you take charge over your money is you tell yourself the minute it comes into your hand, God first, and you put God's aside. Let those who want to bring you theology against tithing, let them go and bring it to somebody else. You honor God. It's not about being legalistic. It's not about keeping the law. It's about keeping God first. So honor God. Be faithful to him. And you show that first by being faithful 
in your giving. Give generously to support the vision of your church and the ministry of your church. Give generously to people that are in need around and about you. Third place to be faithful is be faithful in serving. Be faithful. This is not a revelation. I'm being practical, but I want you to hear my heart. Be faithful in serving. No institution on earth should ever outserve the church. My wife and I, when we travel, she, my wife's a little pampered. You know, she likes to stay in five-star hotels. Before I met her, I didn't even know hotels had stars. <laughs> Motel 6 was good enough for me. <laughs> Just give me a clean bed past the victor and a clean shower. Place to rest my head with no cockroaches and I'm good. But she likes five-star accommodation. So once I started getting around the five stars, I started realizing, you know, there is something to this. There, I, 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 there is, this is from God. I, I, this is good. It's not bad. It's, it's good. Hallelujah. So she's converted me. I'm now a five-star pastor. But when we started to do that, we began to ask ourselves, are we as close in serving people that come into our church as the people are on these five-star resorts? Man, those people make you feel like you own the place. Imagine me walking around, you know, make you, good morning, sir, good morning. But it's nice. I mean, you can ask the gardener, hey, where can I get some pizza around here? Just to mess with them. This is true about five-star hotels. Try it next time you stay at one. Guys cutting the garden. Hey, where can I get some pizza around here? You know you ain't supposed to be asking no gardener about where to get pizza. But you know what he'll do? He'll stop what he's doing and say, come, I'll show you. And he'll say, now, and he'll literally lead you. What they taught them to do is never to tell a person you don't know. Never make a person feel as if you can't help them. Always take them to where they need to be or point them to where they can get the help they need. Oh my goodness, Pastor Victor. I said, why should the church be any less in serving people than a five-star hotel? We have got the best product. It's called the gospel of the kingdom of God. Man, come on, come on. We've got the best stuff to sell, people. We want them to come, come, every nation. There is no demographic that's excluded. And man, shouldn't we be better at serving people? I just want to say that. I don't have time to give you a seminar on five-star service. I just want to tell you, be faithful in serving. Serve with your heart. Don't just do it because the pastor asks you to and you hope he sees. I hope he sees. I hope he's looking. Don't worry about that. Look at the folk who are coming in the doors who need you to smile and make them feel like, man, I'm so glad you chose our church today. How can we make your day a little nicer? Oh, oh, be faithful in serving. Be faithful to family. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, see that you respect your husbands. Wives, see that you respect your husbands. Work together to build a legacy for your children. Stop messing around and disrespecting each other and taking each other for granted. Listen, your children are depending on you to work together to build a legacy for their future. Be faithful to your family. Be faithful to your church. Pray for your pastor and his family. Show respect for your leaders. Show up for church services and community events. Be available. Am I helping anybody? Is this? I'll stop, but I just want to. And be faithful in witnessing. Be faithful. You are a living epistle seen in red. By all men. Your neighbors are watching you. The people in the supermarket are watching you. People in the grocery store, they're watching you. You don't open your mouth and say, I am a Christian. They're waiting to see evidence. 
Is she for real? Is he for real? The people in your job, they're watching you. Be a faithful witness. I don't mean go around beating people over the head with the Bible all day. I mean live the thing first. Live it, live it, live it, live it. Be a faithful witness. Be faithful in little things. It's the proving ground for promotion. Let me say this because... We all want to do great things. We want to be great. Greatness. You know what I mean? Jesus said, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you got to learn to do little things. Isn't that what he told them? Rather than say, you've got to go and get the best education, the best job, achieve the best, the highest status in society, and only associate with big people, great people, because if you want to be great, you've got to associate with great people. Jesus never said that. The lesson he gave his disciples when he said, if you want to be great, he said, be the slave of all men. In other words, don't try to be great by doing great things. Try to be great by doing little things well. The same Jesus said, he who is faithful in shall be made ruler over. So, Here's my message for you today when I say be faithful in little things, you know. And Mother Teresa said it best. I may be misquoting her by a word or two, but the thought is, is correct. She said no one does great things. All of us just do a series of little things. But in the end, it might just add up to something great. So you need to hear this because sometimes you may come in the church and your talent level is like way up here. And the church hasn't discovered that yet. Or maybe they have. So they ask you to do something like, could you be on bathroom duty for the next three months? Yeah, get with the bathroom people. There's a team that comes in and they clean up the church. Would you join up with them for about three months and just serve? And you're like, what? <laughs> this, this guy you, 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 what does he know about me you must not know about me you must not know you go Beyonce you go Beyonce on the faster man what yeah little things and do it well because pastor has to use that bathroom too and do it well because Maybe sometimes God takes you out of your comfort zone in your area of service, not because your gifts are not appreciated or not, that he's not trying to nurture your gifts. There's a season in your life when God is nurturing your character. When God is nurturing your gift, he will drive you to things or give you platforms where your gift can thrive, where your gift can find expression so others notice you have a gift in that area. But when God is working on your character, he will take you completely out of your comfort zone and have you do something that you don't even feel anointed for. Little things. Somebody say little things. Be faithful in little things. Because it's the pathway to big things. It's the pathway to promotion. I've got to stop now. I've been up here too long. Didn't mean to be here this long. Didn't even mean to get this happy, but I'm happy. Oh, so let me just say this. Let me just say this. God is faithful. And that means that he rewards faithfulness. He does. I think all too often we give up on things too soon. And it's true that we need a measure of wisdom to know what things are going to die a natural death anyway and we should just leave them be. And what things need to be nurtured some more. I just read this week. And Jesus came into a garden and there was a fig tree there that didn't produce. And he says, cut it down because it hasn't produced any fruit. And the gardener says, wait a minute, sir. Give it one more year. Let me dig around it. Let me nurture it a little bit. And if you come back next year and it has no fruit, then go ahead and cut it down. And that tells me that there are things that we need to have the wisdom of God to know that perhaps a little nurturing will bring it to its full potential. 
and that maybe some things just need to die because he just ain't going to live. Are you there with me? And so, with that I want to tell you, there are some things you don't have to question whether God wants you to stick with it or not. If you're in a good church, you may go through a rough time in your good church. It doesn't mean that you're supposed to leave. You just, you just need to settle that right now. You know why? It's kind of like saying, I married Isabel, and I love her, but man, I haven't been happy in two years. So you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm finished. Uh-uh. Is that right? That's a covenant. You're going to hit some rough patches. I know you've had some. We've had some. We've had some. I don't know. Maybe not you, but we've had some rough patches. Me and this beautiful gal here. When I married her, she was the sweetest little thing. All sweet and soft. I used to sing to her like Johnny Mathis. And she'd go, oh, you are so awesome. You sound just like Johnny Mathis. And after I married her, she said, you don't really sound like Johnny Mathis. Then I started finding out she had a mouth on her, man. She actually disagreed with stuff I said. And she wanted to talk back to me. Oh, we had some rough spots. We had some rough spots. That's just the trivial stuff. Everybody goes through that. But every marriage, do you understand? But you, this is not something you need to pray about. Should I cut this fig tree down? That's a covenant. Faithfulness means I'm going to honor my promise to God that I'm going to love, honor, cherish, and all the other stuff to have, to hold, in sickness and in health, in plenty and in warmth, right? Until what? Till death do us part. Let me say this. The reason why I'm on this is because some of us walk away too soon. You left just too soon. And God was not finished with you yet. You left just before it got good. Some of you walk out in your marriages just before your breakthrough was about to come. Listen to me very carefully. God rewards faithfulness. You can't be in a marriage, listen to me very carefully, and you are trusting God and he's not going to turn your situation around. It just isn't possible. He's in it with you. He is the third person in your relationship. Oh God, help me today. I read this book recently. I want to suggest that many of you pick it up. It's called The Good News About Marriage, written by Shanti Felden. I'm preaching out of this book now. This book changed my paradigm and my whole understanding about marriage. The good news about marriage. It's brand new research. It's extremely thorough. It's a little academic. But if you can get the goods out of that book, that book will blow your mind. Do you know what they've said? They've done research, extensive research in divorce and, remar- and divorce and marriage. And they've said this. They've said that, first of all, here's one thing that blew my mind. I caught my attention. If I asked you in this church how many percentage of marriages that people that get married get divorced, what would you say? What would you say? What percentage? People, just periods in general. 40, 50 percent. What about you, Pastor Hiram? What percentage would you say? 50, 60 Does everybody agree with that? 40, 60, around there? More? 80? Wow. (laughs) I've got good news, baby. Do you know that 72% of people are still married to their first spouse? Leave from in me now. Did you hear that? Research has proven that 72% of people... You know what that means? We're winning. We are winning. God is in the thing and that's why we're winning. Marriage is not a losing cause. Oh God, if you're married. Here's another thing that the research did. I got to help somebody today. You know what the research also talked about? It says that they've done research on divorce. And they've said that the vast majority of people, up to 85% of people who divorce, always regret it. And so it is, it's proven that if you're going through a rough spot in your relationship now, you're better off sticking it out because it's bound to turn around and you'll be happier than if you had divorced. 
What? You've got to be faithful. You've got to hang in there. You've got to be tenacious about what God said. You've got to keep your dreams in front of you. What did you envision when you said yes to that young man? Yes to that pretty young lady when you took that man's daughter? What was your big picture? Come on, you've got to get that picture back in front of you and begin to work towards that because I promise you, God is in it with you. And if God is in it, you are bound to win it. Don't walk away. Don't leave your church. Good days are coming. Be faithful. Very quickly, I got to share a testimony with you. Then I'm done because I've said too much already. But, you know, I have this habit. And I'm preaching to myself because I have this habit of, you know, and maybe you too. You, you pray to God for something and you pray for, then you say, all right, I'm done. You move on to other things because life goes on. The thing hasn't happened yet. You know what I mean? You, you can't keep it in front of you all the time because, you know, other things keep coming up. So you, you're on to something else. But you've sown a significant amount of prayers for that thing. But you've gone now. You've moved on from it. And I had an experience recently, Pastor Victor. You know, you know our church does a lot of retreats. You know, oh my God, we spend so much money. Retreats, retreats. We've probably been in every hotel in the Northeast or campground. We've been to every one of them. Retreats. And I said, you know, God, I'd really like it. If we could have a piece of land or a campground, maybe in Pennsylvania or somewhere, like an hour, hour and a half, so we can have our own thing. I said, you know what? I know it's going to happen one day. I know it's going to happen. You know, but, uh, but that's in the back of my mind now. I'm just going to just you know, keep going with other things. Man, I had a miracle the other day. I had a prayer meeting at my church one Monday morning. And I went to the church, and it was a group of pastors from my town who were supposed to come in and pray with me. And so... Uh, one of the pastors walked in, and uh, it wasn't I that had ordered the prayer meeting. It was someone else. I was just using my church to host it. But the host had canceled the prayer meeting. And I only found out the morning when I got there because of a miscommunication. So I started frantically calling pastors, please don't come, please don't come, please don't come. We apologize. The thing is canceled. One of the pastors says, I'm coming anyway. I need to speak to you. The pastor walks in, says, come on, let's go to your office. I want to talk to you. And, you know, we walked into the office, sat down in front of my wife. And she said, she said to me, now listen to this. I have a piece of land upstate I want to give you. It's six acres. It's in Monticello. An hour and a half away from here. I, I told God, it's got to be about an hour and a half. I said, an hour she said, it's an hour and a half from here. Now, she said, we had purchased it some years ago, you know, my husband and I, but we can't do much with it. I don't even know what I want to do with it now. I haven't even been up there in about 15 years, she said. But here's the papers. Now, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. She came with the papers. She said, I guess you have to get a lawyer or whatever. Do what you have to do. Here's the papers. I said, when can we go up there and see it? Man, the next week I was up there. I looking at land, I took pictures, I came back and I told my church, the church went crazy. You know why that happened? Because he is faithful. I made a decision. I wasn't going to take shortcuts. I wasn't going to get slick or gimmicky in my church. I believe that God has called me to do this thing with the utmost integrity. And if I stay true to the things that God has called me to do and the principles that he has called me, some things will just plain come to me. And can I just tell you, it's been 20 years. It's time for stuff to start coming to us. If you have a track record of 20 years of doing things with integrity, I mean, come on, there comes a point where God says, stuff, go to Victor. Stuff, Go up to New Rochelle. Are you there with me? Because we serve a faithful God. I just want to tell you, listen, better days are coming for you, Calvary. Better days are coming for you in your home, in your, in your career, in your marriage, in whatever area of your life. Better days are coming. Continue to be faithful to God. Don't compromise. Don't take shortcuts. Because he is faithful. And the last thing is that God has made you a steward. And he requires that each of us show ourselves faithful. Hallelujah. Bow your heads. Let's pray.
Hallelujah. Father in heaven, we worship you. Thank you for this day and this occasion that has brought us together. Thank you for Victor and his vision. This man with this spirit of humility and this apostolic anointing. I pray for him now, Father. That God, you would begin to open those tracks, those pathways, those doorways that he once held keys to in this city. The apostolic track of influencing leaders and pastors around this city. God put the keys back into his hand now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Put the scepter of authority of the apostle back into his hand. And God caused him to begin to walk into that thing once again. For God, you have anointed him to be a leader of leaders. Lord, I thank you for favor that will come to him as he works in this corner of the city. I thank you for this new house. I thank you for the shrewdness and the wisdom with which he orchestrated this purchase and rebuild hallelujah god honor him for that i pray that you would honor him for that lord not cutting any corners but lord even to the beams of this floor so that integrity would be found through and through it wouldn't be a cover-up or a, a whitewash job god which speaks for his character so now god i pray that you would bring the honor of the lord upon him and restore my god that mantle put the keys back in his hands my god hallelujah god now god let leaders be drawn to him gifted men and women hallelujah god marketplace leaders professionals from every walk of life god begin to draw them into this house and give this house a grace oh god to accommodate people of stature that will come from near and far to sit in this house and be refreshed by the presence of God. Give this house a grace and an excellence, my God, to accommodate those. I pray increase. I speak it, Lord God, two services. I speak multiple services, God. Lord, I declare that more worship leaders like Ephraim Goiko and other bands and other talented people would rise up and even be sent out yet again from this house and that the Bronx and the city of New York will be seated, God, with talent from this house. I thank you, God, for that which you're about to do in this place. Finally, God, let this place be an oasis, an oasis. A refreshing place in the midst of scarceness. Let there be plenty here. Where it's dry elsewhere, let the river of life flow here. Oh God, let even the prayer meetings begin to attract people from the streets. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, because we believe what we ask of you is done in Jesus name let the church say amen put your hands together for Pastor Victor as he comes God bless you praise the Lord what you heard today was nothing less than the wisdom of God and uh, our flesh fights at every step of the way faithfulness but when you look at every major corporation that makes any mark in society, one of the cornerstones happened to be faithfulness, dogged tenacity, and, and a, a strong affiliation uh, to a vision, an encompassing vision. And uh, I appreciate that more than words can say. Thank you, uh, Bishop, for that wonderful word. Um, I also want to thank each and every one. I, I see so many faces that I would love to bring up to come and share, but uh, being that I promise you, and we'll be out by five. I'm already late five minutes. But, but having said that, for me, five minutes for something like this, that's not an issue. I would have thought it would have taken three hours longer. Because so much that needs to be said will not be uh, said. But 
that allows us to do part B of the service at some other, you know, time in the future. Amen? Family, thank you for coming over and for coming with your bishop and your pastor. It's really an honor. I love being with you. Every time I'm with you, it's, I've always get blessed. By the way, just as a mutual testimony, every time I go to your church, I, I only get served in total, absolute excellence. They do the absolute finest job. Dare I say, five star. They've learned well. Yeah, five star. So thank you. you know, I am also officially a knuckle over there. So if they don't, then uh, you know, I'll have to say something. <laughs> Praise God. God bless each and every one of you. Pastor Pura, I'm so glad that you, know, you were able to make it. We're praying every day for hubby. And uh, I tell you, you know, you, as, as, as soon as you came into the pastoral forum, the attacks increased. What does that mean? Whenever the enemy targets somebody, it's because you have to do something amazing in the city. You would think that you're already doing something amazing. No, I think that what's happening in the coming days, he's trying to shut down a new level that's about ready to be ushered in your life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have found that just before some of the greatest and most amazing things that happen in one's life and, and in ministry, you know, you have to go through. There's a, it's almost like you pay a price. And for those of you that want to become a pastor, that feel a call to become a pastor, my advice is don't. Get confirmation, thus and again, so to speak, before you get into this. Because it's almost like you become a bullseye. You know? I know you know what I'm talking about, right? But uh, you're my friend. She was our lawyer, by the way. She helped us to close on this property and give us advice and instruction. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I want you to close in prayer. I want you to come and close in prayer. And uh, we're going to continue doing more things. I see a building two doors down that I'm sort of like getting antsy, you know. We're not, no, no, this, it, I forgot who was, Pastor, were you the one that said this? It would be nice to hang out a couple of years. Yeah, I, I feel that this is like a base. But from this base, we're going to go from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And then uh, we're going to continue to uh, befriend our local politicians and elected officials because we want to bring some of the money here to be able to serve community. So like we used to do in 116th Street, we're going to replicate that. Not in the same way because I don't know what God's going to do. But it's going to be awesome and beautiful, and it's going to be in this new season. Amen? Praise God. Let's all stand. Thank you so very much, each and every one of you. I look at your faces. I love you all. And I'm so grateful that you were able to make it to celebrate with us. Tomorrow we're going to continue. We have a prophet Israel de Jesus. He's going to come over and blow the ceiling out of the house. I expect an amazing service tomorrow, and God's going to continue to speak into our prophetic womb of this house. Amen? So if you're not doing anything, or if you're, let's say if your service starts in the afternoon, you can make it, come in and receive a word of the Lord. Let's all close in prayer. I'm going to ask for my great friend, my great friend and co-laborer here in the Bronx. Amen. Pastor Pura, please close us in prayer. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's lift up holy hands. It's been an awesome, awesome journey to come to this place. And we're so grateful, Father God. So grateful for your grace. So grateful for the anointing for multiplication. The anointing in this house for attraction. The anointing for the resources. The anointing, Lord, for the harvest. The anointing for the prophetic and the apostolic move of God. We're so grateful for the anointing for wisdom and greater strategy, Lord God. We are so grateful, Lord Father, for the friends, Lord Father, for the, the, the co-laborers, Lord, the prayers, uh, those that have stood with apostle in this house, Lord. Father, we thank you today because it's not just about us being faithful. You have been faithful. You have been a good God. You have been supernaturally gracious and merciful and powerful. None of this would have been possible without your work, without the power of your works, Lord God, without your mighty hand. And so today we thank you and we honor you for what you're doing here 
and the best and the greatest and the mightiest move of God is yet to come. And we can't wait, Lord Father, to see what the next level, dimension, Lord, move of God in your apostle and this house will look like. So thank you for allowing us to be part of it. We thank you for the word. Bless the servant of the Lord. Continue the mighty work there that they're doing in New Rochelle, Lord God. Father, continue the work in all of the friends, in all of those that are here today. And we are, Lord God, blessing the people. Bless every home, every marriage. Lord God, every man, every woman, every child, every ministry, every gifting, every commissioning, Lord God. We're grateful and we thank you for what you've already accomplished. Thank you for the beautiful building, Lord God. And Father God, we ask you, Lord, to go with us as we are released. We will not leave your presence. We will look forward. We will leave with hope and expectation and look forward, Lord, to moving into the supernatural in this new year, 5775 the new year on the Hebrew calendar that would usher in the greatest move of God. This year, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah shall enter through the open doors that you've opened already for this remnant that you have set apart for the end time, for such a time as this. So we thank you right now in the mighty name of Jesus and all the people of God said, Amen. Traveling mercies, be blessed everyone.